Netcasts you love. From people you trust. This is Twit. Bandwidth for the Tech Guy is provided by Cashfly. C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com. Hi, this is Leo Laporte, and this is my Tech Guy podcast. This show originally aired on the Premier Radio Networks on Saturday, April 23rd, 2011. This is episode 763. Enjoy. What a way to start a show. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Hey, a good day to you. This is the show where we talk about technology. Anything with a chip in it. Computers, internet, cell phone, camcorders. I guess this doesn't have to be chips because it could be software and and the internet too. And uh, when I said what a way to start the show, that was because seconds before I began, I spilled my coffee into the electronics over here. So what we're going to learn today is... uh, that moisture and technology do not mix. If you hear any sharp buzzing sounds, if I suddenly go off the air, well, the Tech Guy Labs is in uh, lockdown right now. They always say, you know, it's funny because um, I know uh, Bill Hickey, our chief engineer of Premier Radio Networks, is shaking his head because they always say every, you know, every studio I've ever worked in in radio says a big sign, do not bring your coffee in here. Especially if you, you know, that's for the engineer, the person sitting at the board. The hosts, usually they have a sanitized little booth that the host can't do much damage in. Mostly rubber coated. And, uh, but the engineers, people like you, Kyle, the guys who run the big, expensive, you know, quarter million dollar mixing boards. Do not bring your coffee in here. Of course, every time I work, I bring coffee in and water and liquids of all kinds. Because I'm a rebel. And of course, one of the things I said when I built my studio is I will never have a sign on the door that says no coffee allowed. Now I'm regretting it. <laughs> Hoist with my own Java flavored petard. Thank you, Alex. Alex uh, Gumpel, who is, uh, is my intern and uh, good right hand, is mopping up. Is that a whole roll of paper towels you used for that? Half. He made the cut. Co- <laughs> it's his fault. If he hadn't scared me, <laughs> poor Alex. <laughs> Thank you, Alex. <laughs> this is uh, the joys of internship, kids. That that keyboard is not is not going to last. It mostly uh, hit a keyboard. I don't know what this, is that keyboard. That goes to the Final Cut uh, recording machine. Well, I'm sure we'll be able to <laughs> continue on. 8888-ASK-LEO. That's my phone number, 888-827-5536. That's toll-free from anywhere in the U.S. or Canada. Kyle, you don't have a cup of coffee there in the control room, do you? Is Bill Hickey listening, he asks? (laughs) No, I bet they have a big sign. You're not allowed because it's a very... And I can't tell you how many times I've spilled coffee into the, uh, the, the, the works. It's not a good thing to do. What do you, if this happens, actually, here, we'll turn this into a teaching moment. If this happens to you, 
the first thing to do is is the, is the first thing I have not done, which is disconnect. Like that keyboard, we should have immediately removed it from any power, because the thing you don't want to have happen is a short circuit. So if you uh, if you, if it spills into a landing electronics immediately, as quickly as you can before you even start mopping up, well. Actually, with your left hand, disconnect the power while you mop up with your right hand. It should be kind of as quickly as possible because that's the biggest risk. Now, of course, if you spill water, it's not such a big deal because water will evaporate eventually. And if you haven't caused a short circuit, you probably can um, can start up again. If you spill coffee with cream, as I did, you're in trouble. If you spill coffee with cream and sugar, forget it. <laughs> if you spill a soda... With, with sugar in it, forget it. If you spill a diet soda, you might be all right. Depends on the chemicals. We need a ShamWow. You're absolutely right. There we go. There goes the keyboard. Bye-bye. You know, the funny thing is, I've actually put keep... Now, I'm not going to recommend this because I don't want letters and emails from you saying, I tried it, Leo. You owe me uh, for a keyboard. But keyboards are pretty... Uh, Grody, especially if they're shared, right? After, you know, after a while, they get kind of eggy. Just look at your own keyboard. You can, you can, in most cases, tell exactly what keys you press the most. <laughs> you can see what you had for lunch yesterday in some cases. So they get pretty, they get pretty bad. I put them in the dishwasher, which shows you that water isn't necessarily bad for electronics if, uh, if it's not uh, connected. And and by the way, there is a a mortality rate for for keyboards in the dishwasher. Do not use soap. <laughs> Just put them in the dishwasher with hot water, and they often come out really clean. Now, here's the key: you got to let them thoroughly dry, like for days, before you plug it in again. Because if there's any moisture left and you plug it in, then you are going to short circuit. But keyboards aren't expensive, and I think it, you know a good way to sanitize a keyboard, especially if it's all plastic. You know, I've tried taking the keycaps off, and no, that's too much trouble. So I run them through the dishwasher, and if it dies, you know, I, I would say about one in six or seven die, and you're out 35 bucks, you get a new keyboard. Do not do this with your cell phone, however. How many of you are, at show of hands, have dropped your cell phone into various <laughs> yeah, liquid receptacles, shall we say? <laughs> It used to, you know, nowadays people, I think, carry their cell phones in their pocket. But it used to be when you had it on a holster. Man, every time. Every single. I'll never forget. And it, uh, it's, uh, it's, it's actually been enshrined now in a Microsoft commercial. But it happened to me. I was in a men's room. A guy's on the phone in the men's room talking loudly. Really annoying. And, uh, and drops it into the urinal. And it's very hard not to stand there and just laugh, <laughs> especially watching him trying to make the very difficult decision about what to do next. Do you grab it and pull it out or do you just say, that's it, see your cell phone? Well, let me talk about that. So most cell phones today have, they, they're very clever because what, what, happened, what started happening is people would bring in their BlackBerry uh, with water damage. They would have dried it out. It just wouldn't work for some reason. And they'd have to give you a new one. So now what they do is they put a little paper strip in these things that when uh, uh, it gets wet, changes color. So they'll bring it into the back room. They try not to do this in front of you because they don't want you to get wise to this. They'll bring it in the back room and they'll open it up and they'll go, <laughs> and they'll say, you dropped this in, in the water, didn't you? What? Yes, it's been wet. I'm sorry. This is not a warranty repair. So 
it's kind of tricky. If you can, if you do get, if you drop your cell phone into a puddle, uh, open it up as quickly as you can and pull that battery. And don't, I would not dry it with a hair dryer. One thing you can do is put in a box uh, of with rice in it or one of those desiccants or a bunch of desiccants. But let it dry for longer than you think, days before you power it back up. If it's just water, if there's not sugar in it or some other substance, uh, oftentimes that's sufficient. Yes, the strip will have turned color, so you won't be able to get money back on it, but uh, that works. I'm not recommending, by the way, that you put your keyboard in the dishwasher. I'm merely observing that I have done it, and we will do it with that one. That's a pretty fancy one, that that keyboard. It has all sorts. Maybe we should get the... Um, Fisher Price, my first keyboard, keyboard back in there. That thing, I could spill coffee on that all day. And those big keys <laughs> make it so easy to type. Um, the reason you put the rice in is, as you probably know, I don't know if you've ever done this in salt. If you live in a humid climate, you put the rice in with the salt in a salt shaker, it absorbs moisture. So the salt doesn't cake up. The same thing if you put rice in a box. Actually, when I was at the Consumer Electronics Show, there was a company selling... A, a chemical desiccant designed for exactly this. You take the cell phone and, and put it in this thing, uh, this box with a desiccant. You leave it for a few hours. And in theory, it absorbs all the moisture out of it. And the thing is dry as a bone and you can power it up. But that's the key. It's got to be dry as a bone before you reapply power. So, thank you, Alex. The, uh, the uh, hazardous waste team, the hazmat team, has been in here in their bunny suits, and they've completely sanitized the area. So we are now able to continue on with our radio program. Coming up uh, this uh, hour, uh, Scott Wilkinson, our home theater expert. He'll be on at 33 past the hour. Uh, Of course, uh, if you've got a question about home theater, he's the guy to ask, but we'll also take questions on anything with a chip in it. Phone number 8888-ASK-LEO. I am Leo Laporte, the wet tech guy. these songs Kyle <laughs> of course everybody knows Natasha Benningfield this is good I like it I've never heard it so uh, sometimes spilling coffee on somebody is a good thing Leo Laporte the tech guy 8888 ask Leo talking about Technology, computers, the internet, cell phones, camcorders, dropping things in liquid and trying to recover them. Lonnie on the line from Tustin, California, our first call of the day. Hi, Lonnie. How you doing, Leo? Wonderful. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Watch you all the time on Twit TV. Bless you. <laughs> well, I didn't sneeze. <laughs> Somebody sent me an email saying, why are you named Twit? <laughs> Don't you know what that means? Don't you don't you know that you stole that from Twitter? And I have to explain. No, no, uh, Twit's been around a lot longer than Twitter. Uh, Twitter just—it's a coincidence, or well, I don't know if it's a coincidence, but uh, unfortunately, we're stuck with it. 
But I like the name, and I think it's easy to find. One of the advantages of being Twit is when you Google the word Twit, we show up as number one result on Google because I've been doing this for six years. It's a podcast network, folks, for, for those of you who are wondering what Lonnie and I are talking about. So what can I do for you today? Well, my second son is becoming a bar mitzvah. Oh, how exciting. Now, yeah. can I just ask that you do not do what Rebecca Black's parents did? What's that? Yeah. Oh, you're obviously not attuned to the very popular Rebecca Black Friday meme. So apparently there's a company called Arc Music Factory that uh, it's a, I didn't know this, but parents will pay a couple of grand to them and make a bat mitzvah in her case or in your son's case, bar mitzvah video that's a music video. And I've seen a few of them on the web, but Rebecca Black's became the number one most viewed video on YouTube this month because it's so horrible. Oh, so yeah, don't that's do that. a weekend thing, right? Yeah, Friday, Friday. Yeah, it's but it's both horrible and eerily catchy. <laughs> the most hated video on YouTube, but most viewed. Anyway, so it's his bar mitzvah. That's wonderful. Yeah, so when my first one had it a few years ago, I made his slideshow, and I used um, New Lead Video Studio, which I think right. came with the card that I got to convert my... Eight millimeter into into digitize right. that. And yeah, Ulead is actually a pretty good company. They still make that program. By I way. know, and that's why I'm calling. Uh, the thing I liked that I did was I mixed the videos and the stills together. Right. Went back and forth, um, and so and I could do that with the Video Studio, and obviously I've now uh, gone on to new operating systems, and it's time to upgrade or get something new. Right. And so I was wondering well, if Video Studio is, is the best thing and just upgrade that, or should I go some, uh, some other direction at this point? The truth is now it's kind of a standard feature of almost all uh, slideshow or slide programs or photo programs because everybody wants to do this. Mix movies, stills, put a soundtrack behind it. Uh, and really it's only a question of how many features you need and what you, where you want to uh, display it. Are you Windows or Mac? Well, I have both, but I'm probably going to do it on a Windows 7 X64 machine. Okay. Uh, Windows Movie Maker will do this. You ha you don't have it because as Microsoft stopped shipping it with Windows, but if you go to get.live.com, you can get it for free. Okay. Uh, of course, iMovie will do it on the Mac. In fact, iMovie does a spectacular job. It's really designed around this. It works with iPhoto. So what happens is you import the photos with I iPhoto, import the movies with iMovie, you export the ones you want to use to iPhoto, and iPhoto has the tools. For instance, there's some tools that you want that Movie Maker, you know, is not going to be as good at. For instance, matching the slide changes to the beat of the music. Right. What that, does, that kind of fancy timing. What does that the best? Because actually that's what I kind of was off a little bit when I used the, the, the um, video uh, studio one. I, right. I noticed that it wouldn't get it exactly right. It's hard to do uh, unless you have a program that you can nudge the stuff along the timeline and so forth. Um, let me ask the chat room uh, if they've used Windows, the current version, which is much improved. I used to hate Windows Movie Maker, but they've really much improved it. If they've used the current version to do this. Well, I could uh, go. If, I have two Macs, both my sons, so I could, I could go the Mac route as well. Yeah, I've done it on the Mac, and it's absolutely uh, easy and uh, effective to do it on uh, iMovie with iPhoto. 
but I, I bet you Windows Movie Maker has all of the tools you need. What you really need to do is to be able to accurately nudge each picture along the timeline. So, you know, when you import pictures and video and you drag them in order to a timeline, uh, that's kind of when that'll be displayed. It's a, re- it's a very standard way of displaying this now uh, in all, all video editing programs. And then you add a soundtrack, which is a, a secondary kind of line below the timeline. So now you've got your soundtrack, and you can listen to it, and you can find the beat, and then you can, on the timeline, slide the slides around, nudge them around, uh, and it, it works pretty well. Yeah, Video Studio, the one that I had, could do that too, but it just you'd find that it would just off a little bit. It I, wasn't I was frame probably accurate. the only one that figured that out. Yeah. It, uh, I think Windows Movie Maker can do it. I think a better program... By the way, it's Windows, I'm sorry, I should say Windows Live Movie Maker. That's the distinction between the old Windows uh, Movie Maker. It's got the live in there. That's why you go to get.live.com. Okay. Uh, I think um, if you if you think you're going to do more editing projects on Windows. I do, because uh, I also am a coach, so I cut videos oh, yeah. and give them to the team to watch. Nothing more inspiring than getting a great rock anthem and then video and pictures of the team to pump them up and but get you got to get it on the beat pump 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 and you got to really do it and it's really great when you do that that's you know that's one of the things that happens uh you know when when you look at professional stuff when you look at the NFL films when you that's that's what they're so good at and of course they're using professional tools the the professional tool on Windows is Adobe's Premiere and a lot of editors swear by Premiere. And uh, the good news is there's a $79 uh, consumer version of it called Premiere Elements that I highly recommend. Okay, because I was wondering, I thought Premiere only did photos originally, but so that'll mix both. Oh, it's a video editing program. Not Premiere, not, you think of Photoshop. Adobe Premiere is their video editor. And Premiere Elements, not Photoshop Elements, Premiere Elements. You can get a bundle with all of it. Does a great job. All right, well, I'll give that's the that's the pro tool. If you're going to do more editing as a coach, eighty bucks, well worth it, and it will use all the juice on that uh, high end Windows machine you've got there. Can I ask one more question? Sure. It's regarding scanning photos, because it's funny. There's a distinct line of age when the photos right. come from right digital. When 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 she, when she was four, they're all prints. Exactly. So, um, what resolution should I scan the photos in at? Well, the screen display isn't that high resolution. It's maybe 80. But I would scan them at 300 at least. 300 is a, is a decent printing resolution. If you've got drive space to, to spare, 400 to 600. Okay. If you really want, if you're going to scan it, you only want to scan them once and you want to have them be as good as the original, I'd say 600. That's what I'll do. Right? 600 DPI, dots per inch. That's the measurement we use as we're scanning them in. Hey, if you like home video, you want to know more about home theater, stay tuned. Scott Wilkinson... Coming up, Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Seven AM waking up in the morning. Gotta be fresh. Gotta go downstairs Gotta have my bowl Gotta have cereal 
seeing everything. <laughs> Bob Dylan. Time is going. Doing Rebecca Black's Friday. Chicken on and on. And just shows you when you do something as Dylan would do it, no matter how inane or mundane the lyrics are, it sounds profound. Not the best Dylan impression ever, but but uh, but the point is well made. This portion of the Tech Guy Show brought to you by Carbonite.com. It's backup done right, automatic off-site encrypted. You got to back it up to get it back. Try it free for 14 days. You don't even need a credit card. Just my name, Leo. Carbonite. Dot com. Scott Wilkinson, our home hey. theater guy. Could take Easter Sunday off, and I don't yeah. blame you. Time for time for brunch with the family. And uh, so he's going to be on Saturday today. So it's nice to talk to you once again. Scott is the editor-in-chief of the Ultimate AV Magazine, ultimateavmag.com, home theater magazine columnist, hometheatermag.com. And uh, if you watched our coverage of the National Association of Broadcasters show, if you listen to the show on Sundays, uh, and I'm going to ask, ask you uh, after we get off the air to help me a little bit because I'm going to take some time off next month and the month after. Oh. Maybe maybe we can get you to fill in again because you did such you a good bet. job. Thank you so much. I'd be very happy to do that. All righty. <laughs> Meanwhile, Scott takes questions too. Scott at techguylabs.com, and I understand you have some listener queries. I do. I get plenty of listener queries. And uh, so I've got a few here. One uh, from someone who only identified themselves by their handle, BMG105, uh, asks, asks about bias lighting and whether that improves the viewing experience. What is it called? Bias lighting. Bias lighting. I've never heard of that. Is that in yes. the TV? Uh, not usually. No. Okay. Uh, what it is is... You place a light behind the TV, and this only this is only appropriate for uh, direct view TVs like flat panels. And it used to be for CRT, those big monsters. It's not for front projectors uh, because they don't really produce very much light to begin with, so you don't right. really need it. But LCD um, TVs and plasma TVs produce quite a bit of light, or they can. And if you're watching in a very dark room, um. It often does help to place a light behind the screen, and it's called a bias light. And what it does is your eye is sensitive to a very wide range, very wide dynamic range from black to white. Um, I don't remember the exact number, something like a million to one or more. Um, And uh, the TV does not produce that wide a range, nor is your eye sensitive to that much range all at once. Rather, it's sensitive to a smaller range that shifts up and down within that larger range. <clears throat> this is why when you uh, walk out of a theater into a bright afternoon, your eyes kind of hurt and you have to squint. It's because your eyes are adapted to a lower dynamic range than what, what you're seeing when you get outside. Similarly, when you, when you walk into a theater from outside, you uh, you can't see anything for a little while. Everything oh, yeah. looks really dark. Yeah. So this is the, your eyes shifting up and down to accommodate for the amount of ambient light that's around you at any given moment. And, it's it takes, my, and mom was right. In other words, mom always said, oh, don't watch TV in the dark. Right. Have a light on. And of course, you don't want to shine it in front of the TV. You put it right. over behind the TV. Then yep. your eyes yep. adjust to the light and the yep. TV isn't blinding you. 
Precisely. That's exactly right. It's biasing. That was your for eyes. CRTs. That made sense. And you're yeah. saying if your TV is as bright as as the old school TVs. Yep. This is a good idea. Exactly. Now, ideally, you want a particular color of light. You don't want to just stick a light bulb back there and be done with it. Do they make fifty uh, percent gray lights? They do, but not fifty no. percent gray. Not fifty percent. <laughs> I was gray. joking. No, 30, no, thirty percent. They make gray? very specific lights. Yeah, really? a, a company called CinemaQuest makes a light called an Ideal Loom. Uh, ideal, as in ideal, an L U M E. I huh. believe the company is CinemaQuest, and um, uh, it it produces a color of white, which is the same color of white or of gray that you want your TV to be producing. Technically, it's called D65. This is like a scary term, but all it means is a particular color of white. Um, and you want that light, that color of white, to be 10% as bright as the maximum brightness on your TV screen. Oh, so it is like a 30%. I was The joke of 30% gray is Scott in his viewing room and anybody who's a professional viewer uh, for rating TVs will have the, the, the walls will be painted black. Of course, they won't be painted white either. They'll be painted like a thirty percent gray. Actually, mine mine is nine percent gray. Oh, almost so it's black. Very dark. It's yeah. almost black. I, I did chose not to go extreme total black because I just thought it would be too oppressive. <laughs> yeah, and and nine percent gray is totally fine. I mean, when you turn the lights out in there, it's dark. It's black. You can't see the hand in front of your face. Um, and you do that because you don't want light reflecting from the the picture screen onto the walls and then into your eyes. Right will affect your perception right so um <clears throat> that's what i do but then i also have this bias light behind the plasma and it's better if you have a very neutral dark back wall because obviously this light is going to be shining onto that wall and you're going to see it and so if it's got a lot of tchotchkes and a lot of color and stuff on it then um you know that could be distracting right so you want it to be as simple as possible and as neutral as possible and putting this bias light behind the TV at 10% of the TV's peak white, at a color of white of D65, very technical, geeky stuff. There's CinemaQuest. You have it on the screen I'm put, right there. I'm pulling it up on my uh, laptop here. So how much is this? I mean, this is obviously for high-end home theaters. Well, I don't think those lights are that expensive. I don't. I honestly don't know how much they cost. They can't be that much. Uh, certainly under a hundred bucks. And and do, now I noticed, for instance, one of the installations they have the TVs hanging on the wall, so you can't put it behind the TV. No, you can't. Now you one the one good thing about Philips TVs, which probably is a moot point at this at this point, because uh, Philips recently sold the majority of its TV interest to a Chinese company, and I think they're not even bringing TVs into the U.S. anymore. But one of the things that was unique about Philips TVs was they had this thing called Ambilight, mm. which was exactly this. It was lighting that was behind the outer edge of the screen. Now, the primary purpose that they designed it for is ridiculous. It was to change color and change intensity depending upon what was on the screen. <laughs> no, 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 no. It was a light show. It was yeah. ridiculous. No, no, I hated it. Yeah. However, they had a mode that let you fix it. <clears throat> to a certain intensity and a certain color, and it then became a bias light. And mm. that is a very useful feature. So well, I'm, I'm looking now actually at these lights, and they're very, very uh, small tubes that actually yeah. can just be attached to the back of the TV. So even if the TV is on the wall, 
these little tubes. They're not they're not lights. They're just they well, make, they're fluorescent they, tubes. They make it glow. Yeah, they're they're fluorescent tubes like like the like office lights, but they're specialized in their color and in their intensity. It's actually kind of pretty. So this is uh, this. I'm looking at the picture on the website. It's it's not like the room is lit. It's like there's a halo around the TV. Exactly, in a like way. there's a halo around yeah. the TV. And the purpose, as I said, is to bias the dynamic range of your eyes to be more comfortable with the dynamic range of the TV mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. in a dark room. So you don't suddenly blinded by the light. <laughs> blinded by the light. <laughs> or you can buy a plasma TV and you don't have to worry about it. Well, the plasma TVs don't put out as much They're light. Darker. That's true. They're darker. Yeah. Well, they're not darker. They're, uh, I'd say, dimmer. Dimmer. Maybe. Uh, they don't put out as much light as, as LCDs. LCDs are flamethrowers, or they can be. And I, as I've said many times on the show, you don't want your TV to be a flamethrower anyway. So you might turn, you, I don't know if you turn it down, but you would look certainly not to go away from the vivid or dynamic setting. Exactly. To the you movie. go to the movie or cinema setting. And that usually does seem dimmer. Yeah. Scott Wilkinson, editor-in-chief of the Ultimate AV Magazine, ultimateavmag.com. You can email him, Scott, at TechGuyLabs.com. More of your calls coming up right after this. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. 8888, ask Leo. Hmm, it's Bruce Springsteen. I'm trying to figure out what this has to do with what we were talking about. I'm sure it makes sense in some way, but anyway. <laughs> we got Kyle's doing a great job running the board. Who's on the phones today, Kyle? Gina Yates. Answering your calls, 8888-ASK-LEO. That's the phone number, 888-827-5536. If you've got a question, a comment, a suggestion, if there's something you would like to know, well, just give me a ring and we can talk about it, as long as it has to do with technology. I can't answer any other questions. If you want, if you got fishing or gardening questions, this is not the show for you. 8888, well, I'll do my best. 8888-ASK-LEO. I know a lot of people want to know what I think of this Apple recording your location, tracking your location, saving it to the phone issue. And I will talk about that when we come back after the top of the hour news. Um, my answer might surprise you, but we will talk about that in just a little bit. 8888-ASK-LEO. Let's get back to the phones, though. Lots of people with lots of questions, including Mike, our next caller from Los Angeles. Hello. Mike, Hello. how are you? I'm fine, thank you. Welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Hey, uh, I have a question. Uh, I've uh, always used Windows and uh, never had any trouble when I have any application to print something. There's always been a printer called PDF. And now I have Windows 7, and that's no longer there. And I have been Googling my way all over the place. (laughs) Not had any success in finding out how to get that activated. Uh, It's such a handy feature. It is not part of Windows. Well, I don't know. It always was there, and I never, never did anything to get it in the past. <laughs> well, you installed something, and there are a number of programs that will do this. It's really handy. It is on uh, all Macintosh computers. You print, 
and then you print it out to a PDF. If you have Microsoft Office, I do. Uh, they do have a uh, a plugin for Microsoft Office that will add that capability. Uh, you, if you search for PDF print driver, there are other programs out there. All it is really is a print driver, it, and, and the computer thinks it's printing, but instead of printing, it's saving it to disk. Uh, so if you have Adobe uh, Acrobat, if you have Cute PDF, if you have PDF Creator, if you have, in other words, there's a lot of ways to get this, but it doesn't come with Windows. Now, here's the interesting thing. It looks like it will come with Windows 8. So you were just ahead of your time. <laughs> never had anything in the, that was uh, specific like uh, any Adobe uh, other than Reader. So I don't know where it's... Uh, and now I've been, been looking around. I can't see anything or I'm not having to buy a program to, to work. Is there uh, a B-U-L-L-Z-I-P.com, Bullzip, has a free PDF print driver that uh, is very straightforward. It's, it's essentially a printer that you install as a printer, except that instead of printing, as I said, it... Uh, it prints it out as a PDF. The program's freeware for personal use or commercial use up to 10 people. Uh, there is a commercial version. It doesn't put advertising or anything in there, and it'll do, I think, everything you want. Uh, if you do more with PDFs, if you create PDFs in other ways, I really like um, the Foxit products, F-O-X-I-T. I use Foxit Phantom on uh, Windows. It gives me more capabilities, things like creating PDF forms. Um, and things like that. But, uh, yeah, for just printing a document to PDF, which I do all the time on the Mac, it's very handy. For instance, you know, it always bugs me. I'll get uh, forms to fill out in Microsoft Doc, you know, Word file format. And it's like, it makes me crazy. I just said, please, why don't you just print it as a PDF and send it that way? Then it's kind of locked. It's, it's going to stay that way. I can use a PDF editing program to modify it. Uh, so I, I think that this is absolutely the way to do it. Um, and then if you want to spend some money, Dan, in our chat room, our chat mod, uh, says if you don't do batch printing, if you're going to do a lot at work, PDF Creator is better than buying the Bullzip uh, Pro version. PDF Creator for... Oh, wait a minute. That's open source. You don't have to buy it. Take it back. It's uh, uh, pdforge org. pdforge.org. PD Forge, and it is an open source program. And uh, so PDF Creator, that's a good choice too. That's free. Okay, PDF. So I don't have experience with either one of them, uh, but because uh, I do have uh, Foxit Phantom on my PC, so that's what I, if I want to print a PDF on the PC, that's what I use. And that first one was Bullzip. Um, yep. Yep, yep, yep. I would try, I have to say, uh, this would be my first choice, PDF Creator, since it is free and it has a lot of capabilities. And that and the site is PDF Creator? PDFforge.org. PDFforge.org. Okay. Yep. Great. All right. Well, thank you very much. My pleasure. Glad I could uh, help. And it is a little bit of a mystery how that was there all the time, but it isn't part, it's not part of Windows. <laughs> it, <laughs> but ironically, will be. It should have been. Uh, I think they just, you know, I don't know why they didn't. They... And Microsoft does offer a free plugin for Office that adds that feature. I don't know if you add it to Office. Does it add it to all um, printing or just when you print from Office? I'm not sure. But PDF Forge looks pretty good. I'm, I'm going to try that, PDF Creator. 
Let me talk a little bit about backup uh, before we get to our next call of the day. I know a lot of you are sitting on data. I asked my dad. Cobbler's kids have no shoes. Isn't that the case? I asked my dad. He visited uh, the studio yesterday, and we were talking. I said, Dad, you're backing up, right? He said, well, I... As soon as anybody begins with well, <laughs> I know the answer. You can just stop. Well, I back up the most critical stuff on a flash drive. And I'm thinking, oh, Dad, you're not backing up. A, because you got to remember to do that, which means you don't do it nearly enough. You remember, you know, like when the hard drive starts to die. That's when you remember, oh, I should be backing up. <laughs> a little late for that. Uh, plus, it's not going to have enough. It's just going to the critical stuff. Well, what happens to the rest of it? What happens to all those pictures you've digitized, your financial records, your emails, all that stuff you've got? Uh, on your hard drive, it, uh, I guess because I've been doing this so long, I consider a hard drive to be the most fragile of vessels. I feel like that's, that's oh yeah, you've got your data in an egg carton, and you're saying, oh no, it's safe. It's not! So back it up, and, and if you're going to back it up, here's the key. Automatic, so you don't have to think about it, and off-site, you understand why that's important. If you're putting on a USB key and it's sitting next to the computer, too easy to lose it. If you have a fire, it's all gone. Um, somebody could break into your house, steal everything. I mean, think when this is called disaster planning. I know you probably those things won't happen, but you if a real backup is not at the same spot as a computer is. It's offsite. Carbonite does both. It's automatic backup. Whenever you're online, it it automatically uploads using uh, encryption so that it's not you know it's not in, it's completely secure. By the way, you do control the encryption key which I think is important for your privacy. Uh, and uh, and it's unlimited. All the data on your internal drive, all your personal data, and it's off-site. It's on the internet where you can get it at any time. It's really off-site storage as well as backup. All you have to do is log on to your Carbonite account on any computer, PC or Mac, or your iPhone, your BlackBerry, your Android phone, and there's your data right there waiting for you. So you don't even have to wait for disaster to happen. Carbonite, what is it? It's less than five bucks a month. For all the data on your internal drive. That's a good deal. You shop around, you'll see there's nothing better. Carbonite, and, and, and nothing more effective. That's what I use. Carbonite.com. Try it free for two weeks. You'll see what I mean. Just go to Carbonite.com. You don't need a credit card. Just my name, Leo. You got to back it up to get it back. So do it right. With Carbonite. Let me lean in close and see who's been waiting the longest. Joe from Van Nuys. Thank you for your patience. Joe Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Hi, Leo. Hello. I have an Acer netbook, uh, which I'm uh, fixing to give away. I would like to know what would be the best way to uh, wipe the drive of all my information and uh, uh, do a recovery on it. Do you have a CD-ROM? Is it like a netbook or is it a full-size laptop? It is a netbook. Okay, so you don't have a CD uh, player in it? No, no, No drive. Uh, I think you could put the the program I recommend for this. Is it a solid state drive in that, or is it a spinning mechanical drive? It's a mechanical drive. Okay, that's good. Thank goodness. Solid state drives wiping them is a different matter entirely, and it may not be even doable on some drives. And I'll talk about that when we come back. But for a spinning drive, it's easy. Just Google D B A N Derek's Book and Newt. I mean Nuke, <laughs> Boot and Nuke. Yes, that's right. Sounds wrong. But what it is is it'll it'll copy itself onto your USB key. You'll boot. You have to boot to the USB key to do this properly because you can't do it while Windows is running. It won't erase its own files. So you download DBAN. It's free. Okay. 
You put it on the USB key. You boot up to the USB key. It wipes the drive. And now, if you wish, you can reinstall from the original discs that came with the computer. And there is no way in the world that person can recover any of your data. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Good day to you, Leo Laporte here, the Tech Kai, and it's time to talk computers, the internet, cell phones, camcorders, MP3 players, home theater, and all the like at 8888-ASK-LEO. That's my phone number, 888-827-5536. Our website, in fact, the phone number's on the website, so I should just tell you the website, because it's got links to everything you need, is techguylabs.com, techguylabs.com, all one word. If you go there, you will see our chat room. Always fun to go in there. Lots of people uh, talking on the chat room. Uh, 771 people right now. They're kind of my externalized brains. If I can't think of something or remember something, they'll they'll chime in in real time, which is wonderful. Yay, chat room. You'll also find a link at uh, techguylabs.com to our live video stream so you can see what's going on. Every once in a while, people like Scott will say, yes, you're showing it on the screen. It's like, yeah, but this is a radio show, so I'm going to have to describe it. I love radio. Don't get me wrong. I love it. Having to have pictures always is kind of a pain. But some people do want video, so uh, for that that purpose, we have a little video stream. You can actually click it and watch it in the upper left-hand corner of the Tech Guy Labs site. Uh, there's also a link to audio archives for every show, the show notes for every show. This is uh, Saturday, April 23rd, episode 763. So as I speak, James DeRuvo writes these down and uh, make sure that uh, everything, every link I mention is there available for you. You'll also find a link to iTunes where you can download shows, subscribe to the podcast. There's all sorts of features. So I highly recommend uh, if you want to know more about something I mentioned, you visit techguylabs.com. Now, a lot of people asking me today about the news that came out this week that uh, iPhones were not only tracking every move you make, but recording it to a file on the iPhone. Furthermore, that file is automatically backed up when you sync with iTunes on Windows or Mac. And even worse, when you get a new iPhone it's copied from the backup back to the iPhone where the recording continues. So if you've had three iPhones, you might be able to look at that file and see everywhere you've been since 2007. <laughs> Somebody has made a, uh, a little program, that, a little Java program that downloads that file automatically from your iPhone. You just plug in your iPhone, it gets the file, makes it, puts it on Google Maps, and you can see everywhere you've been. Isn't that special? And there are a couple of concerns about that. One, why? Two, what does Apple do with it? Three, what if a bad guy got your phone? What would he or she do with it? 
none of which concerns me in the least. By the way, if you have a Google phone, when you first turned on the Google phone, first activated it, you may not remember, but there was a little screen that says, would you like us to, from time to time, Google will send anonymous tracking information back to Google. Would you like to disable this feature? And there's a checkbox, so you can't opt out of it. But but even if you're not asked, here's the thing to know and assume. You're carrying in your pocket the ultimate spy device. If I were Jason Bourne, and I wanted to find out exactly what the your you know Mister who is the enemy anymore I don't know the Mister Afghani Taliban rebel was up to I'd give him a cell phone because what it tracks his GPS all the time right it's got a camera two cameras one in the front one in the back so and I can turn it on automatically without him knowing. It's got a microphone I could turn on. It's the ultimate bugging device. I know where you are. I know what you're doing. I know I can see it. I can hear it. And we even know, at least on the iPhone, that there are numerous applications that have the ability to turn on the microphone and listen. I was actually shocked when I found out about this. There's no permission. On the the Android phone there, every time you install an application on any Android phone, You get a long list of things the application would like permission to do. Now, nobody reads it. But if you do read it, you'll see it. And sometimes they say, well, you know, turns on the camera or accesses information, can access. Are you shocked that these phones are being used this way? This is practically what they were designed to do. And remember, if you've ever seen a Bourne movie, what's the first thing that happens when the beautiful woman gets in the car you know, she's being chased. She has no idea what's going on. She has no idea who Jason Bourne is. What's the first thing he does? She starts to call uh, her mom. I don't know. What's the first thing he does? He grabs the phone and throws it out the window and says, you can't use these anymore. Everybody knows this is the perfect tracking device. For years, law enforcement has been using this in criminal investigations. I've told you this before. They... Every uh, cell phone carrier has a portal for law enforcement where they go, they pay a couple of bucks, and they can ask uh, about any subscriber. Where is he right now? Where was he last week? Where was he last year? It's not even protected information because the law doesn't deem it true content. Your location's just kind of your location. I guess because if I look out the window and I see you, I know what your location is. So I guess they deem that, well, it's public information. There's a very low standard. They're called pen registers for getting these pen registers. It's easy. Tie that into a news story that said that the Michigan police, Michigan State Police, have a device called a Cellbrite, which is sold to law enforcement agencies all over the country, that they can plug into any cell phone, press a button, and within 90 seconds, the entire contents of the cell phone have been slurped into the Cellbrite for forensics, for investigation. You're carrying with you a device that is the ultimate spy machine that law enforcement routinely, routinely monitors. It's all on here. So it shouldn't be too much of a surprise if you think about it that this kind of stuff has been going on. It's nothing new. 
It's nothing new. And the Wall Street Journal, uh, all aghast. They've been really getting making a lot of hay lately on privacy. Uh, and, I, and I commend them. I mean, it's good for them to, to tell people about this. But come on. You didn't think that this stuff was going on? I, and to, be, to be honest, I don't think Apple has any real interest in your location. They have 17 million iPhone owners. You think they're downloading these files from 17 million people and doing what? What do they care? Much more likely uh, what's happening is that information, as Google does, is being anonymized and sold to advertisers so that when you walk by a Domino's pizza, they they can pop up a coupon that says, hey, wouldn't you like a sausage and pepperoni right about now? They don't do that yet, but there's that's the kind of that's the kind of thing they want to do with this. There's no there's you know, they're not spying on you. However, law enforcement is and can. The government can. I don't know what you should worry about more, but uh if you really don't want this information stored about you, you probably shouldn't be carrying a smartphone. Well, wait a minute. You shouldn't carry a phone with any GPS. Oh, wait a minute. They don't even need GPS because guess what? They know where you are because of which cell tower you're using. They don't know exactly where you are, but they've known how you are for years. This is nothing new. This is stuff that's been going on all along. If you don't want them to know where you are, look, my advice to you, if you're about to commit a crime, leave the cell phone behind. And if you don't uh, want your husband to know where you're going on a Friday night, leave the cell phone behind. It's all in there, folks. That's why, if you ever watched The Wire or any of these shows about drug dealers, what do they use? Burner phones. They're not attached to them in any way. They go to the drugstore, they buy a phone, that has no personally identified information, and they throw it out every three days. I, I think Apple recorded this information, frankly, by accident. I don't think they have much use for it. And I think if you're really worried about it, you should think in a more global perspective. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. show that on cops they ever show the police officer saying may i have your cell phone ma'am and plugging into a cell bright and sucking all the data out of it Did they ever show that i don't think so that's probably when they turn the cameras off so uh thank you to the person in the chat room i should have made a note of your name i didn't who sent me a pdf uh file we'll put it in the show notes uh, from uh, that was uh, sent by Apple to Representative uh, Markey of pa- Massachusetts, been a, a very strong privacy advocate, uh, or, or a Senator Markey. Is he Senator or Representative? can't remember. Uh, but uh, Markey asked Apple about this in July 2010. July 2010. And Apple's response was kind of pretty clear. He, the Apple said, uh, yeah, we collect this information. Ed Markey, what did, let me see, uh, Ed Markey, uh, congressman from uh, Massachusetts, who is one of the few actually fairly technically literate guys, hand-delivered to him July 12, 2010, Apple's response to request for information regarding its privacy policy and location-based services. This is, this is you know, almost a year old. And here is the key 
that is in the Apple terms of service that you agreed to when you started using your iPhone. By using any location-based services on your iPhone, you agree in consent to Apple and its partners and licensees, means anybody, transmission, collection, maintenance, processing, and use of your location data. You agreed to it. Apple further says you can withdraw this consent at any time by not using the location-based features or by turning off the location services setting on your iPhone. That's your, that's your option. Either use it, and we'll record it and save it and send it, or don't, and we won't know, but you won't be able to use the GPS or anything like that. So this has been known for a long time. Now, what we didn't know about is where this file was, and there is some concern because this file does you know, make it maybe possible for somebody to hack your phone or get this information out of your phone without your knowledge, or perhaps for law enforcement to get it, but we've known about this for a long time. This is nothing new. All cell phones do this. What I like about, you know, now Apple isn't hiding it, but they're not exactly publicizing it. What I like about Google is Google actually publicizes it. They tell you, if you have, have any question about what Google knows about you, uh, go to google.com slash dashboard if you have a Google account and log in. Not only will you see your uh, web search history, mine goes back four or five years. And again, you can disable this. It's actually a good idea to look at the dashboard to see what they're keeping track of. But I can look at my Google Latitude, which is a Google service that I did opt into. It's a location check-in service. And I can go back in time and look at all. This is essentially the same map that, I get, that they get out of the iPhone. I can look at everywhere I've been with my Google phone. All the spots. All my travels. The difference is Google not only doesn't hide this, they actually give you access to it, let you manage it, let you use it. So some of the neat things about the Latitude dashboard, <laughs> maybe maybe you don't want to share this, but how do I spend my time? How much time you spend at work, at home, out on the town? Where do I go? For instance, I know that I last week spent 20 hours at work. On the average, I only spend 17 hours at work. I don't work very hard, do I? <laughs> this is valuable stuff. Google lets you see it. Your airplane trips. Landing, takeoff, landing, takeoff. All of this is automatically collected because I opted into Google's location services. And the nice thing is Google says, yeah, yeah, we have all this information. Here's what we know. Here's how you can manage it or delete it. Kind of cool. I think. All the places I've been. I like it. And since, you know, to be honest, government, law enforcement... And others can get this anyway. Either if you really hate it, turn off the location services. Don't use a phone with location services. Or better yet, just don't use a cell phone. And then they'll just have to follow you around in a car. Uh, Mike, our next caller from Kentucky. Good day, Mike. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Well, Leo, it's a pleasure to talk with you. Uh, I've got a question that I know you've answered in the past many times, so I hate to be redundant. But what I've got, it's got an iMac, and I just restored everything on it. And when you mentioned before there's a good software program that you recommended that what I'm going to do is buy an exact duplicate of the hard drive, uh, of, of it, make an external drive. Right. To copy everything, everything, absolutely everything, including the boot up, everything. Off yep. The system. It's called Super. There are actually a number of ways to do this. I like Super Duper. 
S-U-P-E-R-D-U-P-E-R, because it's free. Uh, there's a pro version that gives you, you know, scheduling and other things. I use Super Duper all the time as uh, both imaging and backup. Okay. And uh, what is nice about it, well, I'll give you an example. Um, uh, one of my coworkers uh, was interested in buying a MacBook Air, and uh, she said, "Can I borrow your Air?" And I said, "No problem." I use Super Duper to make an exact image of the hard drive, stored that on an, an external drive. Uh, then wiped the air, put the original setup on it so she'd have the experience as if she brought it home from the store. She can use it. And then when I get the air back, I'll just restore it. I'm going to actually put a new, the reason I was willing to do this, I'm putting a new uh, larger uh, solid state drive in the air. And so I I was going to have to do it anyway. Put the new drive in, restore the image. It's exactly the same as it was. And even though the drive's bigger, it, you know, it, it works perfectly. It's a really good program. I'm looking at, you mentioned a, a year or two ago that uh, I think you may have an iMac there that you actually run off an external drive. I do. We had a hard drive. I'm to my left right now is an iMac uh-huh. that we had an, a, an internal hard drive failure on. And now with the iMacs, one of the negatives of the iMacs is okay. uh, no no user serviceable parts inside. You have to bring it back to the Apple Store. Yeah. Um, so fortunately, I had been using Super Duper. The hard drive died. The iMac stopped working. I rebooted holding down the option key. That's the trigger to the Apple operating system to not boot from the internal drive, but to look around and see what else it can boot from. It saw the external drive because I'd been using Super Duper. That drive was not only up to date, it was bootable. It said, you want me to boot from this external drive? I said, yes, within seconds. I'm exactly where I was before that hard drive failure. Exactly. And actually, I ran it that way for a while because on FireWire 800, it's almost as fast as the internal drive. So it worked pretty well. I would be using, and uh, uh, yeah, it's just I've re- I've restored things once or twice, and it's just it's it's not hard. It's just a long, painful process. Yeah, yeah, Look. I like doing this, and on Windows, folks, and we've recommended a number of programs like Drive Snapshot. Um, uh, uh, Ease US has a free program. There's a lot of good uh, systems like this, so um, this is a great idea. It's called it's imaging or ghosting the drive. It makes an exact bootable that's key duplicate of the drive, so that when the worst happens, you've got this external drive here. You say, boot up to that. And all modern computers will do that. And I think that's great. One little, one little caveat here is I have also Windows in it. I use Parallels. Will I copy the entire hard drive with Windows and Parallels? Absolutely. Okay. That's, that's- the nice thing about Parallels is it's just a file on that drive. It looks just like any other Mac file. It copies that along with everything else. So when you reboot that computer, that's great. Cause- it's going to be exactly like it was. In fact, uh, I have Boot Camp on there. Same thing. Well, let me ask you that. Would you, when I put Parallels on, I've had it for a couple of years, I debated on whether to put it on as a boot camp or just go ahead and just put it in. Um, as- I, okay, so here's the difference. Boot camp turns it into a, a, a Windows machine. You reboot the machine, boot into Windows, and it's fully Windows. I like having both capabilities, but it's only if you need the speed of a native Windows run. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Bye. 
This portion of the Tech Eye Show is brought to you by my internet service provider, DSL Extreme, for high-speed internet at an amazing price. Call 866-2-GET-NET to get DSL Extreme. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Just to finish my uh, thought on on, uh, virtualization, that's a very popular technology these days. Um, not just for home users, actually servers, uh, people in high-end um, enterprise situations are using virtualization as well. What is virtualization? It's running one operating system underneath another. So I could, for instance, be running a Windows 7 machine, but run Windows 95 in a little window. Or I'd be running uh, Linux in a window. Or I could be on a Macintosh running Windows in a window. And you can see the advantage, especially if you're a Mac user, you, you, you can be running a Mac, but still be running all these other operating systems. And, uh, and not, in other words, not, not be left out if you have a Windows program you need to run and so forth. And the reason it gets a lot of attention these days is because uh, it's so good. Intel has built into its chips the hardware to do this. And of course, the Mac is running Intel chips now, which is another reason why it works well. So it's a, it's a lot easier for the computer to do these two different operating systems at the same time, much more efficient, so that they're nearly as fast as if they were native. But native is really how you, you want to do it if you need every bit of performance. Native means when you turn on the computer, it boots into the operating system directly. And Macs can do that as well. Apple comes with a technology called Boot Camp. It works quite well. Apple uh, allows you, you just, you're running your Mac. You run the boot camp program. It says, okay, I'm going to divide your hard drive into two partitions. It's going to look like two hard drives. One of them will have the Macintosh operating system, OS X, on it. One of them will have Windows on it. Is that okay? And you say, yes. It, if there's room on the drive, it'll s- slide your stuff over, make a new drive on there. It'll say, okay, we're ready. Let's install Windows. Give me the Windows disk, and you install it. Now, when you start up your Mac, you could start either as a Mac or a Windows machine. And, and, and most Macs run Windows, all, of, all the recent Macs run Windows very well. But it's a little, it takes up some space, and it's a little more inconvenient because when you're in Windows, you're not running Mac. And when you're in Mac, you're not running Windows. So virtualization allows you to do both at the same time. Uh, VMware Fusion and Parallels, the commercial programs that support virtualization. There's a free one called VirtualBox that I like a lot, but if you spend a little money, 70 or 80 bucks, you can get the commercial programs, and they have a feature that I like. When you when you run them, they'll say, oh, I see you installed Windows on this machine in a boot camp partition. Would you like me to use that partition as the virtualization version of Windows as well? So it takes up no additional space. Now you've got the best of all worlds. You can boot into Windows if you need to, but you can also run Windows in a window if you need to on the Macintosh. So in effect, you've got native Windows, native Macintosh, and virtual Windows, depending on how much performance you need. I, I, if I have the space, the hard drive space, I like to do that. It's just, it's, uh, it gives you all, all possible uh, configurations. 8888-8888-ASK-LEO. That's the phone number, Leo Laporte, the tech guy. And Brian's from Santa Ana listening to our mothership, the great KFI in Los Angeles. Hi, Brian. Well, oh, I uh, had my uh, one-month-old iPad last night take a little tumble and crack the screen pretty bad. Oh, that must have broken your heart. 
Yeah, what really broke my heart is when I got the Apple Store and they told me how much it was to replace it. How much is it to replace it? Uh, $270. So they, because it was so new, they did it for half the normal price. In other words, if you if it weren't new, you might as well just buy a new iPad. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah, I think, you know, the iPad, it doesn't look like it could be very easily serviced. I guess they can open it up and put a new screen in there. 277 is not bad. Well, it was just the glass. The screen digitizers are still working. But uh, what I'm looking for is a good case. And I'm having excellent time to find any iPad 2 cases, especially like rubberized shock ones that would help it take a, an accidental fall. I yeah, I mean, the iPad 2 is so new. Even though Apple does kind of tell people uh, what the new products are going to look like, it typically, uh, bec- they're not super cooperative, so a lot of these companies just wait. They say, well, as soon as Apple tells us, or as soon as we can get one, we will make a case. Um, I, I have not seen a lot of strong cases. I have to say, um, the one company that I know makes some pretty cool cases for the iPad 2 is InCase. I like them, I-N-C-A-S-E. Um, you, it sounds like you want like a titanium case to wrap this thing. They make neoprene sleeves that would protect it fairly well. They have a travel kit. Uh, they have a book style jacket, but you want something harder, don't you? Something like, uh, when I have my iPhone, it's like a, it's like a hard rubber thing. So it kind of bounces a little. Right. Well, I'm sure that they're being made. Let me look at Marware and see what, uh, they, they, they also make some pretty nice uh, iPad cases. It's just taken a little while before the new cases have come out because the iPad's still so new, but they're starting to they're starting to come out. Um, maybe the chat room has a recommendation while I'm looking. Do you have any recommendation? Does Pelican make iPad cases? Oh, Otterbox. That's a great case. Let me see if Otterbox has an iPad too. They're really tough. O T T E R B O X com and if they have made if they have made their uh, their iPad two cases that would absolutely these things are tough as nails yeah they do have iPad two cases um, these are the Defender the iPad two Defender it's ninety bucks but it's cheaper than buying a new screen uh, this is this is exactly what you want you could bounce it off of a ten story building the OtterBox Defender rugged case and this thing really does do the job i i think they make a really great case so that would be my recommendation thank you chat room for reminding me about this one and you won't break it again and i'm sorry that happened to your baby brian that's a shame o-t-t-e-r-b-o-x uh dot com they make practically bulletproof cases ralph in san diego leo laporte the tech guy hi ralph hey leo great to talk with you uh thanks for calling uh, long-time listener, first-time caller, and uh, I've got to say, you are a consummate entertainer. I love your... <laughs> well, that's very kind of you. I don't think of myself as an entertainer, but that's nice. At least I'm not boring you to tears. Uh-huh. Okay, well, uh, I know I've uh, been looking at uh, smartphones for quite a while, and what was putting off... I'm on Verizon... And I was kind of put off by the uh, $30 a month uh, charge that they have for data. And I finally bit the bullet and decided to do it. And I got a Droid X. 
and I wanted to get a uh, you know 4.3 inch screen because I think anything else seems like kind of you know not very usable. So I wanted to find out from you if it's still if that's still kind of a you know a, a reasonable choice uh, for a phone because I know we got a lot more phones out there now than there were you know six months ago when I started. To- yeah, the the Android marketplace does not stand still, does it? Um, in fact, there is probably a newer 4.3-inch screen you might want to have looked at called the Thunderbolt. I love the Droid X. I think it's a really uh, great uh, phone, and it still is one of my favorite Android phones ever. It's a Motorola. I actually like HTC's phones just a little bit better. They make a Thunderbolt on Verizon that is also 4.3. I'm with you. I like a 4.3-inch screen. Um, the Thunderbolt is not dual-core, though, and that is something that's going to increasingly be an issue. Most of the new phones will have faster processors uh, and will and or two processors. I've actually just heard about one that's dual core, two gigahertz processors, and it does make a difference a little bit. Uh, but Ralph, you bought the Droid X. I'm sorry, not Ralph. Uh, you bought the Droid X. It's a great phone. Keep it. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Leo Laporte, the tech guy, taking your calls, talking tech. Uh, Brian found that OtterBox that listed for uh, ninety bucks, very uh, inexpensively at uh, relatively inexpensively at Amazon. I think he said forty nine dollars. That's a lot better. Nice tough cases those OtterBoxes. I like those a lot. We were debating in the uh, chat room about these new uh, phones with four G. And uh, what is the definition of 4G? I mean, there's a technical definition of 4G, but really, when I say 4G or 3G, when we're talking about smartphones, um, we're talking about, it's kind of a meaningless abbreviation. 4G, 3G means third generation data networks. 4G means fourth generation data networks. Now, there are technical definitions of what a true 4G network is. The ITU, the International Telecommunications Union, specifies 4G saying, get ready for this, 4G service has to offer 100 megabit, 100 megabit peak performance, and that's if you're moving around in a train or a car, and if you're in a you're a pedestrian or walking around, one gigabit download speeds. Let me say that again. <laughs> True 4G, as defined by the International Telecommunications Union, is 100 megabits if you're in a car and a gigabit if you're walking around. We don't have any 4G networks in the U.S. So when Verizon says... T-Mobile's lying when they say they have the largest 4G network. We do. Neither of them does. And when people say, oh, my LTE is super fast, it ain't that fast. 
100 megabits in a car. I wouldn't mind that, but uh, I don't think we're going to see that uh, anytime soon. Uh, we have a Swedish listener uh, in the chat room right now. He says on his 4G in Sweden, he's getting 60 to 90. That's about what you'd expect. If the nominal peak is 100, you'd expect about 50 or 60. We're not getting that on LTE either. So we don't have 4G. All we do is have faster data networks than we had before. And the truth is, uh, T-Mobile's HSPA+, Plus, which is more widespread than any other high-speed solution, is in my opinion, fast enough. I'm I'm going around now with the. Uh, I just got the T-Mobile uh, G2X, which is an Android phone with a dual-core Tegra 2 processor, so it's a fast processor internally. And I've been doing speed tests. And as I walk around this little town of Petaluma, which has 4G from T-Mobile, but nobody else, or whatever that whatever that high speed is from T-Mobile and nobody else, I'm getting four or five megabits down, and more than consistently more than a megabit up. Well, that's faster than my home connection was until very recently. I mean, that's for a smartphone. I think that's pretty fast. More than fast enough to Skype or to download video, watch it in real time. Uh, and those are the kinds of things you need that speed for. It's pretty fast. And because there's a second advantage, T-Mobile is currently a, you know, also ran number three or four network. Very few people use it. I'm much more likely to get that speed than on a popular network like Verizon or AT&T. Because remember, the speed that you get is divided by the number of people on that cell site. So they could put a lot of bandwidth into that cell site, but everybody using bandwidth on that cell site is sharing it. So in some ways, having a more popular service does, is a disadvantage, which is what AT&T customers on the iPhone have realized for years. Because everybody in San Francisco has an iPhone, it doesn't matter if AT&T's High-speed network is better than Verizon's. It is. But it's shared by so many more people, it doesn't appear that way. So uh, I have to say, uh, I think um, you're, it, the, the real bottom line is YMMV. YMMV, that's my new abbreviation. Your mileage may vary. It ain't 4G. It's not even close to 4G. It's, it's higher speed. LTE is going to be in 45 markets by the end of the year, according to Verizon. AT&T is also adopting LTE. They're scrambling as fast as they can to get high speed rolled out everywhere. But don't consider T-Mobile um, non-existent or Sprint non-existent. In their players in there. Sprint's using an interesting technology for their 4G called WiMAX. And uh, my experience with WiMAX in Las Vegas, the only town I've been in that had it, is that it, it really does get bogged down by the number of users. It isn't very fast in real-world situations. And that's really the problem in general. What is the real-world speed? What's that going to be like? I've been very happy with this T-Mobile uh, so-called 4G. Uh, it's a G2X. It's a 4-inch screen, not a 4.3-inch screen. I think, actually, that's just about right. It's a little bigger than the iPhone, a little smaller than the Droid X or the Sprint Evo or the uh, Bionic or the uh, Thunderbolt, but 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 big enough. It's a very nice screen, too. I'm really liking it. Of course, it all comes down in the long run to battery life, doesn't it? Because if you can't use the phone because your battery's dead, it doesn't matter. Battery life on, um, on 4G is always worse than it is on 3G. It takes more radio. Um, the more you use the phone, of course, the worse battery life. But I would say these even these dual-core phones, 
as we start to see them now, are about the same battery life. They're, they're, they're pretty uh, efficient as the other smartphones with big screens. Big screens use up a lot of battery. 4G uses up a lot of battery. And frankly, uh, because these phones are so compelling, you use them more, and that uses up a lot of battery. If you, if you find yourself playing with the phone a lot, yeah, you're going to kill it. Uh, if you just use it like an old-fashioned feature phone where you answer calls, you'll, probably get, you'll easily get a day, maybe even more. If the problem is that we just we're playing Angry Birds all the time. Of course, that's killing the battery. Angry Birds very bad for battery life. I think that's probably the worst. All right, we're going to get back to the phones in uh, in just a second. Sam is in Downey, California, uh, and he's seen something on the Home Shopping Network. He's curious about. Maybe I can help him. Before we do that, though, I'd like to mention my. Should I do Carbonite right now, Kyle? Not thirty-two. I love talking about not thirty-two. We haven't had one. Malware call today. Have you noticed? Let's not jinx it. Maybe more people are using Nod32. Boy, wouldn't that make me happy? I'd love to put myself out of business because everybody is so secure on their Windows machine. Nod32 is the best antivirus for Windows because it's fast. doesn't bog you down. It's very effective. The virus bulletin, the independent virus bulletin, has said that they haven't missed a virus in the wild in 10 years. CNET just gave it five out of five and an editor's choice. It's from a company called ESET. They also make a Mac solution, cybersecurity for the Mac. Really good people with a really great product. I'd like you to try it free for 30 days. Visit www.eset.com slash Leo. This is the, this is the otter box of antiviruses. This is the bulletproof protection that you have been looking for. ESET.com slash Leo, or you can call 866-935-ESET. Tell them Leo sent you, you'll get 30 days free. If you use Windows or Mac, you need ESET. 866-935-ESET or ESET.com slash Leo. Leo Laporte, the tech guy in Downey, California. Sam, you've been watching some TV, huh? Hi, how are you, Leo? I'm great. Thanks for calling. Yeah, I'm a long-time listener. Uh, Thank you, this is, uh, I'm, uh, I'm, I want, I was interested in that computer because it's a laptop. When you pull it out, it becomes a, a tablet. And I want to use it. I'm looking for a tablet PC because I develop software for green screen. Ah. And for uh, where you can make a photo booth with a green screen. So I want to make it uh, for that purpose. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Uh, I would not ever in a million years buy a computer from the Home Shopping Network, but uh, I think you're right about this idea of a convertible. That's what they call them. That they're essentially, it's a tablet PC that has a laptop keyboard, and you can use it either way. You can have the key, the, the, the screen flip around so it looks just like a tablet. It's kind of a bulky tablet. It ain't no iPad, but it's, but it's, you know, it's running Windows. And then if you flip it around, it looks just like a laptop. In my opinion, mm-hmm. the best out there, and it's and it, it really is good, just came out from Lenovo, L-E-N-O-V-O. They're, they make the ThinkPads, and these are really beautiful systems. Their X220 is a convertible, uh, so you get uh, exactly what you're talking about, the best of both worlds, which is uh, a laptop that can be converted with a flip of the screen into a... Um, into a, a tablet and they range in price from a thousand dollars and up 
These are the best. Best keyboards, best quality. I love them. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. In the words of the chat room, stop. It's Leo time. I'm actually doing the hammer dance right now. 8888-ASK-LEO. That's the uh, number. As we talk about computers and the internet and cell phones and camcorders, the changing landscape all around us. We talk a lot about cell phones. That really is where it's all happening these days, isn't it? It's, uh, there's... Uh, those little portable computers now you keep in your pocket. But as our last caller talked about, it is expensive. You know, they charge you at least 30 bucks a month just for the data. I would say a smartphone subscription is usually at least 60 to $90, right? A month. So even if you're only getting, you know, paying $200 for your smartphone, which is the typically the going price if you sign up for a two-year deal, you can't forget you're going to add two years of $80 a month, you're going to add another two grand to that total. It's an expensive computer, isn't it? But how can you live without it? That's my that's my question. 8888-ASK-LEO. Technology is everywhere. Front page of the Wall Street Journal today. You know, Easter's tomorrow. One of the great traditions of Easter is the Cadbury egg. They only sell them during Easter. Those cream-filled chocolate eggs. And there's a guy named David McGuire who's mad as heck. He's an English fella. And he said, you know, here's the problem. When you buy a big Cadbury egg, it's hollow. And I want Cadbury to make supersized cream eggs. He's got a Facebook group, 25,000 people pledging that if only Cadbury would make a giant cream-filled egg, they would buy one. Cadbury says... Well, we, we know people would like one, but it isn't that easy. Apparently, it's an engineering problem. Making a giant chocolate egg filled with white and yolk-colored fondant just doesn't work. The way they make this, to make a cream egg, molten chocolate, I, I, I hope I'm not making you hungry here. I I think for my wife, those are the two sexiest words in the English language. Molten chocolate. Mocla- <laughs> Molten chocolate is poured onto two plastic molds of half eggs cut lengthwise, after which blobs of white and orange fondant. Fondant is like, um, they use it on cake. It's not exactly icing. It's like icing, but it's stiffer, and so it can be used to make things. Blobs of white and orange fondant are dropped inside. The fondant pushes the chocolate out around the mold and settles into the middle like, quote, 
Archimedes getting into the bath and the water moving around him. <laughs> Very British. The two halves are then slammed together at rapid speed, then cooled for half an hour. Uh, Tony Billsborough of Cadbury says, It would be much more technically challenging to create a shell that would be strong enough to contain the sheer weight of the fondant. In other words, you can make your Facebook page, but we ain't making the egg. Buddy boy. Technology, you know, as fast as it moves, there's just some things technology can't do. 8888, ask. Cadbury, they say, is not British, but this guy is. I guess Kraft. Kraft owns Cadbury? Well, now, Kraft could probably figure this out. Great American engineering, American engineering technology could probably figure out a way to make an enormous cream-filled egg. Cadbury also says bigger eggs might run counter to the healthier lifestyles. (laughs) Uh, A giant cream-filled egg in these days of sensible portions would be a step in the wrong direction. I love it that people are using Facebook not only to create giant cream-filled eggs, but to overturn governments, to promote democracy in the world. It is a wonderful thing. Technology. 8888-ASK-LEO, that's the phone number. If you have a question, a comment. Yes, this is, I'm reading a newspaper. People in the chat room are saying, what is that you're holding? It looks like, um, it looks like you've got... <laughs> some sort of material in your hands that rattles and and there's some little black markings on it. What is, is that like a uh, is that like a foldable iPad? Yes. That's exactly, exactly what it is. <laughs> it's the Dead Trees edition of uh, the iPad. Uh moving along, Larry Jackson, Georgia. Hey Larry, Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Hey Leo, happy Easter. Happy Easter. Thank you, sir. Yeah. Um, and speaking of that, you know, when you were talking about the uh, iPhones keeping check on people, Rick and Bubba said God is checking on you all the time. <laughs> Rick and Bubba are right. Actually, Bubba, I think it's Bubba, is quite the tech guy. He is. Okay, my question. You still there, Leo? I'm listening. Okay, man. Uh, my wife's laptop, she has a Toshiba satellite. Well, the volume master thing there, every time she moves the laptop, the volume goes to zero. <laughs> well, that's annoying. You, now, you know that there are there are volume keys on the keyboard. I'm wondering if she's grasping uh, something. No. She's very careful as she holds it. She, she holds it like a giant Cadbury chocolate cream-filled egg and gently moves it, and still the volume goes down. Yeah, and I'm, I'm, I use it too. And remember, all you got to do is move it a little bit, and the volume goes down. Uh, Slayer Dork in the chat room is saying that Toshiba has a wheel for volume control. Is there a wheel on that that you, you know, old fashioned dial? She had to take it apart and put a fan in one time, and putting it back, she couldn't get that volume wheel. Uh huh. Right, and so uh-huh. volume wheel on the front now. It's it's not it's not put back on right. Yeah. I would guess that that's probably related to the problem. <laughs> I would guess that uh, movement is tipping uh, some little thing in there. Yeah. 
uh, and that uh, boy, you, you, I think you answered your own question, Larry. Now, I, if she could take it apart again, yeah, uh, maybe disconnect that volume wheel, she wouldn't have that uh, problem. Or uh, never forget the value and power of a a good piece of duct tape. Might just want to <laughs> tape that sucker down. Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head, Larry. Don't take no bubba to figure that out. Libby, Claremont, California. Hi, Libby. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Hey, Leo. Um, are you, wait a minute, are you in the hot tub? No, 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 no. It sounds like bubbles in there. I wish. <laughs> you would be the first call from a hot tub. We, 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 we actually pitched a hot tub, a client that wanted to sell hot tubs. I said, I will do the radio show from a hot tub if you buy the show, but they never did. Oh, well. Um, I have a question about um, syndication. I've made about 22 educational videos trying to increase viewership on my YouTube channel, trying to get more um, customers. And I used to use TubeMogul. It was a free um, service that you could allow you to syndicate the videos to a number of different other websites. Now it's a paid subscription and I'm trying to determine Tube Mogul versus Traffic Geyser versus any other suggestions you might have to, um, you know, increase business, make myself more successful, help more homeowners. Yeah. We used to use a service called Blip.TV. I think uh, that's probably my favorite out there right now. The idea of Blip.TV is not only are they will they uh, show your stuff, they'll even add ads to it and share revenue, but they will also cross uh, uh, post stuff. Uh, there are a lot of different ways to do exactly what you want to do, but I, I, I haven't tried them all. But I would say take a look at blip. Uh, TV. I think that's the most forward thinking right now. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. There's a rendezvous of strangers around a coffee on a night. All the gypsy hacks. I know it's Nighthawks at the Diner. <laughs> it's one of my favorite albums, but what is the tie-in, Kyle? What is the tie-in? Now the waitress said, eggs and sausages and side of toast. Eggs. Got it. Cadbury eggs. I get it. Okay. <sighs> so, uh... I'm holding my little hand here. The new BlackBerry playbook. So everybody now is trying to compete with the iPad and, of course, the iPad 2. And uh, we've seen a number of Android-based tablets. Microsoft's going to be making Windows-based tablets, Windows 7-based tablets, like there's anything new there. Uh, and then this this was the one this was the dark horse that everybody thought this might they might have a shot at this one BlackBerry uh, because uh, they are making something that is designed for touch from the ground up. It's not Windows Seven with a touch interface on top of it. It's not Android with a touch interface on on top of it. Uh, Rim, the company that makes this, li- licensed a really uh, beautiful, not very well known real time operating system called QNX and did design, I think, a very elegant touch interface on top of it. 
It is a 7-inch tablet. It's a little thick if you compare it, say, to the iPad uh, 2. It's, uh, the screen size, of course, is smaller. In fact, as Steve Jobs is quick to point out, it's about the half the screen real estate as the iPad 2. Uh, and it is thicker. Doesn't It doesn't feel much lighter. It is a lighter, but it doesn't feel much lighter just because of the apparent density of it. Battery life is very good. I would say comparable to the iPad 2 and tests people have gotten eight or nine hours, which is, is plenty. Um, and it's very speedy. The multitasking in this is excellent. I have running on it right now a game, Need for Speed Undercover. Um, and it's it's just, it runs beautifully and it runs very quickly. Little side note here, Electronic Arts, the company that makes this game, I think has a new business model. They don't make the games to sell them. They, it's just become the case that if you have a new platform and you want to demonstrate its capabilities, you've got to have Need for Speed shift on it. And I bet you they go to Electronic Arts and say, can we pay you $100,000 to port this game to our platform? And Electronic Arts rubs their hands and says, we don't care how many we sell. We're just going to make a little money on the side here. Because every phone I get, every tablet I get has this game on it. Now, there's an advantage to that because we can compare performance of the game on the tablet uh, or the phone to the iPad and to the iPhone. And so, you know, it is kind of an apples to apples comparison. But but Electronic Arts, they're, they're such good programmers. It looks great everywhere. I mean, they really know what they're doing. But they, this is a good example. This game runs beautifully. It's easy to use. And it continues to run when you swipe your finger up and do other things. The multitasking on this is fantastic. It's running... Uh, a processor from NVIDIA called the Tegra 2, which has really good video and dual-core processors, so a lot can go on. Uh, I, I think they've done a nice job. It's a, it's a, it's very slick, but there are some things that are... There's the podcast. Uh, I have to say, I'm, I'm glad they have a podcast section, even though my podcast is not in there. They have 800 copies of Dilbert, but uh, not the tech guy. Seems like the tech guy might be... I mean, I like Dilbert, don't get me wrong, but I think one one Dilbert would be enough, but they <laughs> have quite a few Dilberts. Let's look at tech, just out of curiosity, let's look at technology, If see if I make it into the podcast directory and technology. So I really don't like this tablet one cotton-picking bit. <laughs> no, I do like it. I think it's very impressive. Um, but here's the real problem. There's no email program on it. And there's no calendar program on it. You might ask yourself, huh? And you might be right if you say, huh? Uh, how can you release a tablet in uh, in this day and age that doesn't have email? It has a browser. It's a very, actually a very good browser. Um, it's it's nicely designed, but, but really, I, I think you need a calendar. And I think you need email. Now, if you have a BlackBerry phone, it has this bridge thing that uh, gives you email and calendar. They've said that there will be email and calendar eventually. Well, no, wait a minute. I see Gmail. So I guess there is, oh, it brings you to the website. <laughs> so I guess if you if you want to collect your, 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 your mail via the web browser, you can do that. And the, But, it, but what I, I guess I would say is it's, I guess it's not done. Uh, and they just rushed it out a little bit before they had all of the features on here that you would expect on a tablet. It's pretty nice. Same price as the iPad. This is the 16 gigabit Wi-Fi version. It was $500, just like the iPad. 
I do think that Steve's wrong about seven-inch tablets. Steve Jobs says, oh, nobody's going to want that. It's half the size, blah, 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 same price. But this is a little more portable. You can pocket it. You can put it in a purse or a briefcase. And I think that the, the screen is good, and it's, it's more than enough real estate to do the kinds of things people do, including uh, surfing. There is an app store. It's not huge, but uh, if I guess that's always going to be the, the real question mark is, will people, will developers start developing software for this? If they do, then I really wouldn't worry uh, you know, if you have a hundred thousand or fifty thousand or ten thousand apps, as long as the main ones are here. But this is such a dark horse. I I have to think that it's going to be difficult for them to get developers to write software for it. They have announced that they are later this summer going to offer uh, the ability to write Android, to uh, run Android apps on it. We don't know how well. It'll probably be emulation. They've also announced that. Um, they're making a toolkit available for people who do write software for Android phones to, quote, easily, end quote, port their stuff over to this. I'll be honest. If you're going to buy a tablet and you want to actually do something with it, you're going to buy an iPad, too. There's just no question in my mind you're going to buy an iPad, too. Why would you even consider anything else? From a technology point of view, this is very nice. Well done. Uh, it's beautiful. But it's... Same price and not as good as or as flexible as or as useful as an iPad 2. So who's going to buy this? BlackBerry says that they have 45,000. Well, they they do something a lot of these companies do. They say, well, we've sold 45,000. What they don't say is to stores. We've shipped 45,000 to stores. Then there's this question, well, what about sell-through? How many, how many people are buying these in the stores? And I don't see lines for them. I don't think they'll sell very many. It's tough to compete with an iPad right now, and I just don't think this does it. Nice job. Beautifully designed. Great operating system. Uh, nice hardware. But why do people buy these things? To do something with them, right? And, uh, you know, even the Galaxy Tab, which is an Android device, at least has email and a calendar on it. If you're thinking about the BlackBerry Playbook, uh, unless you're somebody like me, a technology enthusiast who has to own everything, I would say at least wait until they've got email and calendar. I wait till this summer and see what developers do. See if they start getting a variety of applications for it. Until then, it's just too early. It's just not enough. If you need a tablet, if you need a little pad, the iPad's here now and it's great. And this is kind of what we predicted, what I predicted and, and others uh, like me, my friends uh, predicted for uh, 2011. We really thought there isn't going to be any strong competition for the iPad this year. Just like the iPhone. It takes a little time for people to absorb what it is that makes the iPad special and are able to duplicate it. 8888-ASK-LEO. That's the phone number. Disagree? Agree? Call me. Let's talk. Leo Laporte, the tech guy.
This portion of the Tech Guy Show is brought to you by my internet service provider, DSL Extreme, for high-speed internet at an amazing price. Call 866-2-GET-NET to get DSL Extreme. I'm looking at the chat room. I haven't seen anybody who uh, argues with me on the uh, on my uh, generally negative assessment of the playbook. Nice hardware, lots of nice features. Just not ready for prime time, I guess. I mean, it feels good. And, and I, by the way, I love the Samsung Galaxy Tab. Feels good. I like it. I, I cannot tell people to get it instead of an iPad. Not quite there. Uh, yet. I mean, and it comes with some nice apps. It's The camera's pretty good. I was able to take some nice pictures. In gadgets reporting seven hours of battery life, they're, I'm sure their testing is more <laughs> accurate than mine. Mine is just, well, it seems to be running out now. Um, remember, though, the iPad's getting about 10. Um, I uh, I think it's tough to just march into this space and, and say, we've got uh, something competitive with the iPad. That is a tough sell. Chuck in North Carolina. Hi, Chuck. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Welcome to the show, Chuck. Oh, thank you, Leo. Uh, I'm having a problem with my Netgear router, my wireless router. Every so often, I'll lose my internet signal for my router, and the only way I can fix it is by disconnecting the power, plugging it back in, and that seems to fix it. But I'm, it's, it's happening more and more often now. It's like almost once a day now that's happening to me. The router's about probably six and a half years old, so I don't know if that would have... Yeah, I would get a new router. I mean, Wi-Fi is like that in general, Wi-Fi. If you have other Wi-Fi signals around, it can be promiscuous. That can cause an apparent drop. Um, There's lots of things, you know, that can impact it, the placement of the router. But I think a six-year-old router, it's probably time to get a new one. They're not very expensive. Uh, you might you might check to see if the company that made the router does offer a firmware upgrade. Sometimes that's one way to freshen up a router without buying one is just download new software for it. Also, you know, my desktop is, is plugged into the router, too, and it loses its signal also. Ah, well, that's good news. And it means I mean, of, of a sort. At least we know it's not the Wi-Fi. Right. Uh, so I would absolutely, is it a Linksys? Uh, uh, Netgear. Netgear. They make good stuff, but six years is a long time in router life. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would I would first go to Netgear's site, see if they even offer updated firmware for that router. If they do, try it, see if it fixes it. If it doesn't, uh, then I would just uh, you know bite the bullet and get another one. And I would not hesitate to get another Netgear. I think they make very good routers. My personal favorite is D-Link, but I think uh, you know they're all basically a consumer grade commodity these days. There's not much difference between them. Okay, all right. Well, Leo, thank you very much. Great talking. Hey, great to talk to you. Thanks for listening to the show. I appreciate it. JR in Virginia. Hey, JR, Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Hey, afternoon, Leo. How you doing? Very well. What can I do for you today? Well, a couple weeks ago, I bought me a LED 120 hertz television. How do you like it? Which brand did you buy? I got the Philips uh, 40 inch LED. Okay. And I absolutely love it from video, DVD, Netflix, and HD channels. I'm not going to the movies again. Isn't that awesome? Now, that Philips has an Ethernet jack a- in it? I did not look for that. Uh, I had to go how, do you, how do you get Netflix on it, then? Through my Blu-ray player. It does have Yeah, okay. Uh, yeah. But yeah, everything's new to me again. and um, I agree, and I think, you know, these days, uh, you can get so much great stuff on the Internet. 
I think it's just a matter of time. And boy, you better believe Comcast is worried about this before you stop. <laughs> you stop buying cable service from them and you only buy data service from them. <laughs> if they had just an HD package, that's all I would get. I know. And it terrifies them because, frankly, um, they don't make as much money just selling you bits. They want to sell you premium content for a premium price. Indeed. Yes, indeed. Well, my question is, I'm going to be saving up here uh, around Christmas, replacing the television in my bedroom. And when I was buying this one, there were a, there were a couple of 240 hertz televisions playing uh, Blu-ray disc as well. And the quality of the picture looked the same. So besides, the- Let me tell you what's going on with this, and then you can be the judge. Okay. You're actually in a good position because you have a 120 hertz television, so you can look at it and see if you like it. The television signal it's getting, whether it's from a Blu-ray player, over-the-air cable, whatever, is is no more than 60 frames a second. It's half what you're seeing. So the TV, in order to get to 120 hertz, has to guess those in, in-between ones. Every other frame, it's just interpolating. It's guessing it. Why does it do this? Well, it's better for action because if you think of something's moving fast, whether it's a car blowing up or a linebacker uh, making a tackle, or a ball flying through the air, a puck flying through the air. Those fast-moving things are moving so quickly that if you only take a picture every 60th of a second, it's going to be blurry. Right. Now, if you take a picture every 120 120 times a second, uh, you're going to get more pictures of that puck, and it won't be blurry. The problem is you don't have that information. Of course, a TV with a puck, the TV could say, well, it was here, it ended up here, it must have been right in between, and it can guess. Some people complain... When they turn on this, and you should do this, you should go watch your TV, get close up, because it's going to be hard to see from a distance, but get close up and look at it and see when you turn it on if it looks kind of plasticky or video-y to you. Sometimes people say it looks like a soap opera. It doesn't look as real. No, and if you what it looks like. That is- yeah. So if that effect bothers you, then 240 is not going to get better. It's going to get worse because it's now got to guess twice as much. Ah, I see. Well, I love that soap opera feel because it feels like I'm watching it through the lens that the director was looking right. for, was filming it. It feels more crisp, and the reason is you're not seeing the blur, the motion blur. It is more crisp, but it's not more real because it's only guessing what's in between. So it just it's a matter of taste whether you like it. I don't think 240 is much better than 120. Uh, I certainly wouldn't spend money on it. I personally... I'm not crazy about 120. I think all of these, like 3D, are manufactured improvements. Now, it's interesting because James Cameron, the guy who made Avatar, is lobbying for a doubling of the frame rate for movies that are made going forward. Movies are 24 frames. He wants to go to 48 frames. He wants TV to go from 60 to 120. He says that makes it more realistic. He's right, it does. And we now have the technology. The reason... (laughs) The reason a movie is 24 frames a second is because that was the fewest number of frames they could have and still have it look realistic. It's a form of of compression in a way because they wanted to use as little film as possible. They they didn't, you know, so how many how much film do we how many feet of film do we need to use to make it look realistic? 24 was the least they could use. Well, it's not an issue anymore. There's enough bandwidth to do 30, there's enough bandwidth to do 60, there's enough bandwidth to do 120. It's just a question of, uh, you know, doing it, moving the standard. So I think going forward, there will be movies right. that will that will be at a higher frame rate. They will look better, and it won't be projected. It won't be interpolated. It won't be guessed. It will be real. 
And then that puck will really look crisp, really and truly, and it won't have the soap opera effect. So if so, I guess bottom line, Jr. is if you like that effect, and it sounds like you do, you might like a two forty. Okay. Well, the other side of that is it also has the Wi-Fi built in and the Netflix and Hulu Plus. See, that's nice. The newer TVs do. You don't need the. I mean, you're still going to get a Blu-ray player, so does it matter really? But but it's nice if it's built into the TV. Yes, sir. Okay, well, that's my main question. I'm glad I'm late to the party, but I'm at the party, and I'm going to keep <laughs> I'll tell you, uh, you, your timing is good because quality and price of televisions, you know, I mean, we're seeing a huge increase in quality and a massive decrease in, cr- in price. There, This is a good time to buy a TV. Um, and, and the TV manufacturers know it, which is why they're trying to throw in features like 120 and 240 hertz like 3D because they're trying to get people to to buy more because of, frankly you can get a great HD TV for an amazingly low price so they're really trying to find ways to you know give you a more premium product at a more premium price Leo Laporte the tech guy the Gizwiz Dick D Bartolo coming up in about 6 minutes stay here Laporte, the tech guy. The last waning minutes of the tech guy show for this Saturday afternoon. But lo and behold, our sadness is tempered by the joy that is Dick DiBartolo, Mad Magazine's maddest writer and the Gizwiz. Hello, Dickie D. Leo, how you doing? Very well. Happy Saturday. Happy Easter weekend. Yeah, I was just coloring eggs. Oh wow! And, I forgot yeah, about that. Know, I know. You know what? I, I, it's, it's hard. It's very hard. Really? I, yeah. Uh, you know, I should not have scrambled them first. Oh, yeah. I find it's much easier to color fried eggs. Yeah, you have. Yeah, you know, I'll do that. Uh, oh, you see, you, you, you solve everything. I'll just fry these up. Fry them. You know, my kids are teenagers now, and it's been so long since I did Easter egg hunts or colored eggs or even that the Easter bunny visited our home. Oh, I miss those days. Oh. Now, basically, Henry just comes downstairs and says, where's the chocolate? <laughs> I see. Okay. Yeah. There is supposed to be chocolate. Yeah, Henry, you have to go in the yard and hunt for it. Give me yeah, chocolate now. <laughs> I want chocolate. So, uh, Dick is a gadget hound for many years running. Uh, of course, you you probably know him from Mad Magazine. He's part of that usual cast of idiots uh, that has been, and I say that with love. That has yes, been, <laughs> yes. You do, you do, right? I say that with love. Um, and uh, you could see him uh, on the Twitter. He what is your uh, what is your uh, Twitter handle? Uh, the Gizwiz. The Gizwiz. T h e g i z w i z. You also see him on uh, on YouTube as Mad Maddest. YouTube.com slash Mad Mattis. Oh, and by the way, uh, you know, you're not the only Mad Magazine person on YouTube. I know Alfred E. Newman, or on Twitter, rather. Alfred E. Newman has a Twitter channel. Alfred E. Newman, he's on Twitter, too. Yeah, he's gearing up for the uh, presidential uh, campaign. He's running again. 
He's running. I told you, I'm working on his platform. I've been sanding it and nailing <laughs> it, and everything. it's going to be sturdy. It's going to be a lovely platform. It's going to be a great platform. So, uh, as as always, Dick likes to join us. Uh, but we, we we do a podcast together. It's a weekly. It's called the Weekly Daily Gizwiz, yeah. and uh, and uh, we do that show uh, on Saturday afternoons, right after the radio show. So we get Dick in a little bit early. He's got his, you know, he's got his arms laden with gadgets for the weekly daily Gizwiz, but we'd like him to pick one and just, you know, kind of show the radio audience, as it were. Yeah, well, I'm going to talk about a very cheap gadget that I have used many times now, and it's called the telescoping magnetic pickup. Oh, yeah. You know about these, right? Sure. You know, magnetic, okay, but Leo... This adds an important addition of an LED light at the very center of the magnet. So that when you, you know, last week we were talking about how to repair a watch. Well, I have discovered the smaller the screw, <laughs> the further it goes yes. when you drop it. Yes, that's the Gizwiz's third law of motion without yes, exactly, containment. Exactly. Yes. The second law is if you want to use a flashlight, the batteries will be dead. Right. Uh, but anyway, so you would have to have the magnetic, extend. you would extend the magnetic thing so you could stick it under furniture and behind desks. And then in the other hand, you had to hold a flashlight. But now the flashlight is dead center of the magnet. It's on Amazon. And the great thing, it's under seven bucks. Wow. Leo, I sit here. I throw paper clips behind desks just so I can go in and demonstrate my LED magnetic pickup. <laughs> um, falls down to just seven and a half inches and extends to 32 inches. And I, I bought another one for down the boat because... Uh, you don't have this problem with your car, but on a boat, if you drop a bolt and it goes over the under the engine block, you can get under your car and oh, yeah. find it. Oh, I yeah. cannot get under my engine block. So, so uh, of to, course, this wouldn't but, work for things that are not magnetic. No, no, it has to be magnetic. It's a magnet. But pretty good. I picked up a big wrench. The company says it can lift up to six pounds. What's the company? Uh, the company is just magnetic. They're Leo, everybody sells it under their own name, and no one's given it a brand name. Nobody they really makes. In other words, nobody makes this. You know, yes, it's exact. But so get the cheapest does, one you can find. That's exactly. Right. It's probably going to be the same. I paid, I think, six ninety seven. Um, and you want to make sure you make sure that you get the lighted LED one because there's a lot on there. Oh yeah, see. Uh, here's the one I have is six dollars and forty four cents, but it doesn't have an LED light on it. No, 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 no that would no. once again not listening closely. Yes, you've made that mistake. I have, right? I have. How about magnetic LED flashlight, home telescoping, telescoping pickup tool? That's it. <laughs> is it like six ninety something? This one's six dollars thirty four cents. That's the one. Such um, a deal. One, there you go. You save fifty cents. You are caught. I am a shopper extraordinaire. <laughs> Dick uh, has a website, gizwiz.biz, G-I-Z-W-I-Z.B-I-Z. It's a great site because, of course, he's got lots of weird gadgets like this. But it's also an opportunity to play the What the Heck Is It contest and win an autographed copy of Mad Magazine from our very own Dickie D. Who autographs that? Uh, you want to? No, Dickie D. What <laughs> oh, you, you do. Mad's, maddest writer. Oh, oh. 
So go to gizwiz.biz and right there on the there's a big button on the right that says what the heck is it? And then I don't know what that is, but pretty. Yeah. No wait a minute, that's the old one. That's the old one. Yeah, me, that's the old one. So so scroll down. You and you're going to win a copy of the Mark Zuckerberg cover. That's another exactly. old one. Where's exactly. the new one? No, no, no. That is the new one, Leo. The old one was the uh, magnetic. Uh, was the, oh, the picker uh, upper. Picker upper. So this one, this uh, this flying saucer like device. Type now thing. here's the deal. Don't bother trying to get it right. He's only got twelve magazines for the t- right answer. He's got twenty four for the best cute silly answer. Yeah. Always better yeah. to have the cute silly. We answer. like cute silly. There you go. Well, you are cute and silly. <laughs> Dick, we'll, uh, we'll be back in just a bit for the Daily Gizwiz. I'm sorry, the weekly Daily Gizwiz. Thank you. I'll be here. <laughs> and I'll wrap up the show in a second. We'll take a couple more calls before I do, though. A little word about backup from Carbonite.com. Backup done right. Carbonite's got the features I demand in a good backup service. Number one, it's automatic, so I don't have to remember. Oh, it's time to back up. Number two, it's off-site. So even if the worst happens, you have a disaster at home, uh, you can always get Carbonite to restore wherever you are. In fact, you don't even have to wait for disaster. Carbonite's also off-site storage that you can log into from any computer or any smartphone and get those files. You can even access them from an iPad. It is really easy to get started. It just takes a few minutes, and you'll be backed up always, regularly. Try it free for the next... 15 days, go to Carbonite.com. Use the offer code LEO. Less than 5 bucks a month, $59 a year. It is the best. If you decide to buy, by the way, uh, you'll get 14 months for the price of 12. Two free months at Carbonite.com. But again, you have to use my name, Leo. Look, you got to back up. Please, please back up. And if you're going to do it right, use Carbonite. Back it up to get it back with Carbonite.com. Use the offer code Leo, that's me. I'm Leo, Rich in New Orleans. Hi, Rich. What it says next to your name, Disney Echo. What's that? Well, I'm uh, on your chat room. That's my handle on your chat room. I also. Oh, hey, Rich. Are you a Disney fan? That's the thing. Yeah. Since we you... and you're and you're in New Orleans, which is uh, I'm a fan of New Orleans. So there you go. Absolutely. Can I plug my blog since you brought it up? It's uh, You must. Yep, DisneyEcho.wordpress.com. And uh, I can has PixieDust.com as well as <laughs> on Twitter. Anyway. <laughs> I like I can has Pixie Dust. That's a good, <laughs> that's a good name. <laughs> Following the Gizwiz on your show, I follow him on Twitter, too, as well as you. And oh, that's great. Tips and help way back to the tech TV days. I got a minute left, so uh, let's get your uh, question, Rich. I've had an iPhone since the first day the original iPhone was sold, then got the iPhone 3GS when it came out, currently enjoying my iPhone 4. I'm not concerned about my iPhone having that location file you were talking about, except for one thing. How much storage space is that file wasting on my phone? Oh, that's a good question. As well as where I'm backing it up on my MacBook, uh, since you say it's, it's going back to the very first day and adding on all the, all the time to it. You know, I don't know, but I can check. I, my sense is, it, you know, it's a text file that has a kind of, very brief you can't if you read it you'll see that it's not kind of human readable i my sense is it's probably not very big it might be a few megabytes um but remember you you know even in the smallest iphone you have 16 gigabytes so we're not talking about a huge waste of space but that's an interesting question i hadn't really thought about that let me let me look at mine and see how big it is and we'll find out how big yours is we can compare leo laporte 
That didn't come out right. The Tech Guy. We'll see you next week.